Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Game of Wines, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I'm Olivia. I'm Gabby. And I'm Chris. Today we will be discussing Daenerys chapter 1 in A Game of Thrones, so make sure you have read the chapter before listening. Chris, news. Alright, what is so it? some news. Um, it's not new to me, or it is new to me, but it's not new to a lot of people. But it has been announced that there will be a prequel to the show Game of Thrones. It's going to be called House of the Dragon. Um, it's getting written right now by George R. R. Martin and Ryan Condal. Um, and it is based on the Targaryens. And it actually takes place 300 years before the show uh, and the events that happen in the show in Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's all we really know about it right now. We don't have a release date for it. Um, but obviously brings up a lot of speculation for a lot of people of what it's going to be about. But I'm excited about it. Yeah, and it's based on the book Fire and Blood by George, George R. R. Martin. Yes. So okay. yeah. All right. The Martin message for today. This was written August fourth. This one's kind of sad. Just warning everyone. It says these are sad, sad times, and it seems as if every day they get a little sadder. I was shocked and horrified to hear of the sudden death of Susan Ellison. And I looked it up. Susan Ellison was a writer and friend of Martin's. She died in the house she shared with Harlan, her husband, for so many years, sometimes known as Ellison Wonderland or the Lost Aztec Temple of Mars. At this writing, no one seems quite certain of the cause of death. No one saw this coming, not even her closest friends, and certainly not me. Susan was only 60, which I suppose is old in the eyes of some of those reading this, but still seems young to me. I would have guessed that she was even younger, but perhaps that is only because she was so much younger than Harlan. The last time I saw her was back when I flew out to L.A. for the premiere of the Token movie, at at which she was one of my invited guests. But I was on stage for that one, and she was in the audience. And after the panel was done, they hustled me right out of there, so we only had time for a brief hello and a hug. I wish it had been longer. The last time I saw Susan for any significant length of time was at Harlan's Memorial at the Writers Guild Theater. That was a heartbreaking occasion. Made less heartbreaking by Susan's own courage and strength and her insistence that we make the evening a celebration of Harlan's life and work and not a dirge for his passing. No one who was there that day, and there was a lot of us for Harlan was greatly loved, could ever have dreamt that Susan herself would follow Harlan soon. There will be obituaries and tributes all over the internet, I am sure, so I am not going to try to write a summary of Susan's life here. Others knew her much better than I did and are better equipped for that task. All I can say from my own perspective is that she was a sweet, gentle woman, unfailingly kind to everyone, and especially to Harlan. As fierce and combative as he seemed at times, he needed kindness too. All of us do. And Susan seemed to make him happy. She was his fifth wife, and their marriage lasted longer than all of his first four marriages put together. She was feisty and funny, too. I remember a few times when dining at their place that Harlan would be going on about something, getting angrier and more worked up, and Susan would put in a quiet word, and suddenly Harlan would be laughing. She was a profoundly decent person, and our field, our country, and our world are all the poorer for her passing. So sympathies from us go out to... Susan's family to George George for their loss. Um, 
It's always tough right now, especially in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. When we can't be there for our loved ones, celebrate, mourn the loss of a loved one together. It just makes everything harder. So sympathies go out. All right. So the answer to the answers that you guys submitted to last week's questions. um, The first question was, did you guys ever have a friend growing up that would just come over unannounced in childhood or now? Um, Christian says that we all did that to each other. True. Nice. Mm -hmm. Um, Cece says, Gabby was always the one coming over unannounced and my other friend Lala. True. Things don't change. (laughs) Um, Hannah said, yes, we would would both go to each other's houses all the time without warning since we live next door. Yeah. Yeah, Sydney. Her best friend. Yeah. I know who you're talking about. Um, And then Lexi said, not really because most of my friends live far away, which is also true because we moved away. In Arizona? Yep. Okay. So, the second question was, if you were in Westeros during this time, would you believe the White Walkers are real, or would you deny they still existed just like Ned Ned does? Um, Christian says, I would believe just because they've existed before, so they could could possibly still be around like the sneaky little punks that they are. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's kind of what we said. I agree with that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, Cece said, I don't know if I would. I'm more of a see-it-to-believe-it kind of person, but the second I saw one... I don't think I could even try and fight. I'd just be like, take me. I can't move. I'm too shook. <laughs> I think I said something like really similar to, yeah. like, if I saw them, there would be no doubt in my mind. I would just be like, yep, and it's over. Because yeah. I'm like a see-it-to-believe-it person, too. Here is the end. Yeah. <laughs> this um, is it for me. And then Hannah said, I definitely wouldn't deny their existence, but I don't know if I would actually believe it. I'd probably prepare and treat it like it was real no matter what I thought, since the consequences of me not doing anything... And them being real are far worse than doing something and them not being real. Yeah. I like that approach. I do too. Sure. I, I honestly didn't think about it that yeah. way. But that's really good. Um, and then Lexi says, I would believe they were real because it would be stupid not to. <laughs> <laughs> Straight to the point. <laughs> All right. Thanks for uh, sending your answers in, guys. Keep going. Yes, thank you. So, um, our review of the last episode. Um, Catelyn received a letter from the king saying that John Aaron had died. And that he was coming to visit visit Winterfell. Um, John Aaron was married to Catelyn's sister, and she is worried that her sister is grieving. And she tells Ned that she would like to go and visit her. Um, so this episode, uh, we're somewhere totally different. Uh, so we're actually in Pentos uh, this time, uh, where Daenerys and Viserys Targaryen are staying. Um, and so we get to learn about these new characters, get a few character introductions, as well as um, Danny is getting ready. We're going to call her Danny, just for namesake. Hmm. Um, is getting ready to meet um, someone named Cal Drogo. Um, <coughs> and so we get to meet that character as well. But first, I think we need wine. I think we need wine too. <laughs> um, okay, so I picked. It's another. I don't know. It's a red. It's called Born of Fire. Um, it's a cabaret Sauvignon. Yeah, I can't say that word. Um, <laughs> you know, um, I picked it because, I mean, the Targaryens are the house of the dragon. And we'll kind of get into that more. But for now. Oh, well, that's some satisfying ASMR. ASMR. Yeah. Good, good, good. good. <laughs> it is very dark. It is very dark. It is dark. You know, it doesn't smell bad, so I'm wondering. It smells... Ooh, that was loud. It almost smells sweet. It does. Oh, God. Oh! Okay, so it's a little watery. 
That's what I would say. And that is strong. <laughs> not your cup of tea. Yeah, Definitely. so not exactly my cup of wine, but we'll... Definitely lives up to its name, The Burn. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. yeah. All right. Oh. Anyways, Olivia. All right. So... We are in Pentos. Uh, Pentos is one of the free cities of Western Essos, so we're not actually in Westeros right now. We have been talking about all the characters that are in Westeros right now. We are actually not there. So, um, it is Pentos is located closest of all the free cities to King's Landing in Westeros, which is the capital of Westeros and where the king and the royal family reside. Uh, Pentos is one of the westernmost cities of the free cities. And it lies on the Bay of Pentos off the Narrow Sea with the flatlands and velvet hills to the east. It is said to be massive and has high walls. However, it is regarded as the most vulnerable of the free cities. It has many square brick towers and most of the roofing is done in tile. Pentos has walled estates such as manses belonging to Magister Alario Matapis and Caldrogo. Um, so as we said, we're meeting Daenerys and her brother Viserys Targaryen. And before we get any further into the chapter, I kind of wanted to introduce these characters a little more deeper so we get to know them before we get into the details. So let's start with Daenerys. I looked up the meaning of Daenerys and I chunked it into two different um, sections. So the first chunk, Day, is from Korean background and it means great or greatness and Welsh Neris meaning lord or chief. So so great leader. Great leader, great chief. Yeah. So Pretty I don't boring. know if that is um what's that word? Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Thank you, Gabby. Foreshadowing something, but we'll see. She is one of the last confirmed members of the House Targaryen, along with her brother Viserys. She is the youngest child of King Aerys II Targaryen and his sister-wife, Queen Rhaella. She is said to have violet eyes, pale skin, and long, pale, silver-gold hair. And she has a slender frame. Next, we have Viserys, her older brother. I did look up his meaning as well. This means power or force, and Aerys means discord or destruction. So maybe there's some more... Foreshadowing there. He's also a cool name. You like the name of Sirius? Well, powerful destruction or force of destruction. That's kind of a cool name. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> Prince Viserys Targaryen is the heir of his father, King Aerys II Targaryen, following the death of his older brother, Prince Rhaegar. Viserys is said to have pale skin, silver blonde hair, and pale lilac eyes, very similar to Daenerys. He is gaunt, has hard lines in his face, and has a feverish look in his eyes. He dresses in silks and wool, keeps a sachet in the sleeves of his tunic to sniff, and wears a borrowed sword to look more kingly. Um, he is considered by others as cruel, weak, frightened, impatient, vain, greedy, stupid, and foolish. He is violent and abusive with many, including his sister Daenerys, because he blames her for their mother's death because... Their mom died in childbirth. So he's not a nice guy. No, he kind of seems like a terrible person. Yeah. Yeah. From the beginning. Yeah. yeah. All right. So now that we've met the two characters for the chapter, I'm going to kind of set the scene for y'all. Um, Danny and Viserys are currently living in exile in Pentos under Magister Illyrio. They are living in exile as a choice, and this happened after Robert's Rebellion. 
I'm not going to say too much about Robert's Rebellion because I don't want to spoil anything. So I'm just going to say that King Aerys Targaryen, which is Danny and Viserys' dad, is known as the Mad King. He became erratic and murderous, and because of this, a lot of tensions grew between the Targaryens and the other noble houses of the realm. And this all led to a great civil war um, between the Targaryens and the great houses of Westeros. Robert's rebellion ended with an assault on Dragonstone, which is the home of the Targaryens, and it resulted in the fall of Targaryen rule and the beginning of Baratheon rule. As we know, Robert Baratheon is now king, so the Baratheon family is now the royal family. Um, so back to Danny. She had just received a gift from Illyrio, and it was a smooth and silky dress, and it was said to be fit for a princess. Um, Viserys was there and encouraging her to kind of touch and feel it, but Danny's kind of hesitant to receive the gift because she's unsure of Illyrio's intentions. And I'm going to read a quote from the book here on page 28. It says, A gift from Magister Illyrio, Viserys said, smiling. Her brother was in a high mood tonight. The color will bring out the violet in your eyes, and you shall have gold as well, and jewels of all sorts. Illyrio has promised. Tonight you must look like a princess. Um, Danny said it. she's kind of forgotten what it's like to be a princess because they've been living in exile so long and bouncing from house to house to house, so she's kind right. of forgotten who she was in a sense. Right. So um, she knows that all gifts come with a price, and that's why she's kind of hesitant to receive this gift. No so such she, thing as a free lunch. Exactly. Everything costs something. Mm-hmm. So she's like, all right, what's the catch here? What What do I have to give for this gift? Because she's heard talk in the streets about Illyrio that he is willing to sell his friends out if he finds the right price. So probably not a super trustworthy. Yeah. Guy. Yes. Also, there was somebody that was saying that Viserys was the beggar king. Mm. Yeah, they were called in the streets. Yeah, because he's trying to get other things. He's trying to get something. Out yeah, because yep. he's trying to get to the throne, but he's doing it in such a way that he's gotten a bad reputation now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not be called a beggar king is not a good thing. Right. Yeah. So he's going about all of this the wrong way, even though he might have a claim to the throne. Sounds like someone who's got death and destruction in his name. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, so she doesn't want to tell Viserys of these fears and hesitations because she doesn't want to anger him because she's so afraid of his anger and what she might, what he might do to her. And Viserys calls his anger awakening the dragon. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds oh, really corny. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's, I mean. But it works for Danny because she's scared yeah. shitless of him. Yeah. Yeah. It's clearly abusive. Yes. Like emo- emotionally and mentally. Yep. Yeah. I'm sorry. Emotionally and physically. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. <laughs> um, she's getting ready to look like a princess because Cal Drogo, who is the leader of the Dothraki, is coming to meet her tonight. The Dothraki is another group of people that we're going to talk more in depth about later. Yeah. Um, she must look like a princess so that Cal Drogo will ask for her hand in marriage. Um, the Dothraki, it says, are friends of Illyrio, and that is how Viserys makes the connection that he wants the Dothraki on his side. So he sets up a courtship to gain power and gain the Dothraki army by marrying Danny to Cal Drogo. So he wants the Dothraki army so that he can go to Westeros, 
go to King's Landing and take over the throne and gain back power. Yep. Right. Um, Viserys threatens Danny, saying she must not fail him or she will awaken the dragon. Um, we see a lot of emotional abuse here. It says that Danny is so frightened to anger Viserys and she is afraid that he will fail him or she will fail him. Um, D- Viserys goes on to say, when they write the story of my reign, sweet sister, they will say it began tonight. And he's not doing this for Danny's sake. He's doing it for his own. He's doing all of this so he can come into power again. He literally doesn't care anything about his sister. He just right. cares about getting back on the throne. Correct. Whatever it takes. Right. Pretty much. Even if it means hurting his sister. Yep. So, um, after that, Viserys kind of leaves and Danny's left alone to get ready and she kind of gets into her thoughts and she kind of starts to describe what she remembers from growing up just because they've always been on the run. She's never really stayed anywhere. Um, on page 29, I'm going to read a little quote from her thoughts. Um, so it says, somewhere beyond the sunset across the narrow sea lay a land of green hills and flowered plains and great rushing rivers where towers of dark stone rose amidst magnificent blue gray mountains and armored knights rode to battle beneath the banners of their lords. So She's heard about all of this from her brother, but, I mean, she can't remember any place that she has felt like she had a family or she could call home. Um, because after their, after the fall of the Tar- Targaryen rule, um, they sailed to the free city of Braavos, and they lived there for a couple years in a house with a red door, and Danny describes that this house with the red door is where she felt like she could call home. The most. Like, that's where she felt, like, comfortable. And I think in the book it said she was only, like, five when she was yeah. there. So. I mean, and the red door is literally, like, the main thing that she talks yeah, about. that she remembers. Um, so after Bravos, they left and they wandered the free cities for years. I mean, they visited nearly all of the free cities, including Mir, Tyrosh, Cohor, Cohor, don't know how to say it, excuse me, <laughs> um, Volantis, and... Lies, lease. Also, don't know how to say that. Lice, I think it Lice. is. Lice. Yeah. Um, and then they returned to Bra- to Bravos at least once, but they essentially ended up in Pentos, where we are now. Um, when they first got to Pentos, you know, everybody was like, "Oh my gosh, the Targaryens are here!" You know, like mm-hmm. this is amazing. Everybody was so excited, but as time has gone on everybody's kind of starting to lose interest. So that's kind of caused um, Danny and Viserys to sell their last few treasures that they had brought with them, which included their mother's crown. And selling that crown took Viserys' last little bit of joy. I mean, and it he's already raging all the time. So imagine... The dragon is Yeah, raging. I mean, raging. The, the dragon's about to come out, obviously. Dragon's rage. Um, <laughs> so... In the middle of it, all of that and all of her thoughts, um, Illyrio's servants enter Danny's room, kind of interrupting her, and they're filling the bath and they're making the water super hot and they're putting in a whole bunch of oils and, you know, she gets undressed and she's stepping into the water and she says, like, it's so hot, but it doesn't bother her and she actually has always liked the heat and it makes her feel clean. So it's kind of... That's why I picked the Born of Fire, because um, Viserys had always said, our house 
ours is the house of the dragon, the fire is in our blood. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think even in the book and the show, sometimes they say, like, they were born of fire. Yes. You know? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah. Um, I mean, Viserys has always been very proud of being a Targaryen, um, and that they were dragons, and had always pushed that on Danny. So, I think she realizes that that's part of why the water doesn't bother her. Yeah. Um, so the servants are talking about Cal Drogo this entire time, and they're talking about how he's apparently so rich that even his slaves wear gold collars, and a hundred thousand men ride in his Kalasar. And a Kalasar is a nomadic horde of Dothraki led by a chief called a Cal. So, Cal Drogo. Cal Drogo's the chief of yes. the Dothraki. Um, the servants also talk about Cal Drogo being tall and fierce, fearless in battle, and the best rider to ever mount a horse. Cal Drogo lives in the palace at in Vase Dothrak. There are 200 rooms and doors of silver. Um, Vase Dothrak is the only city of the Dothraki people. It is lo- it's located very close to Pentos. Um, and Vase Dothrak actually has no walls. So I kind of thought that was... I don't know. People it's can just, like, walk in whenever. Yeah. It's kind of hard to, like, defend if there's no yeah. walls, I guess. Um, the streets, the roads were all paved of grass and mud. There are carved stone pavilions, manses of woven, woven grass, wooden towers, stepped, in, stepped pyramids, and log halls. All of the buildings were brought to the city by slaves from the lands of Dothraki. From the lands that the Dothraki have conquered. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> um, Vase Dothrak sprawls just in the warm sun. It's large enough to hold every Kalasar there ever were if they were all to return at once. So maybe that's why it doesn't have any walls. And from that, it sounds like they're not all congregated in the one space no. at one time. It sounds like they're out doing they're things. They're out conquering. Yes, it sounds like exactly. they're out conquering, but so the they're not vase... actually there. So that's why it doesn't have walls. Right, but the Vase Dothrak is where they all congregate, yeah. where they say they're from, yeah. essentially. They're, yeah. yeah, they're homeland. Okay, right. So during all of the servants talking about Drogo, um, Daenerys really hasn't said anything. She always assumed she would marry her brother when she was old enough because Targaryens always married brother and sister to keep their bloodline pure, which, ew. Ew. Um, (laughs) But Viserys has always told her that dragons did not mate with the beasts of the field and Targaryens do not mingle their blood with that of lesser men. So, I mean, right now, by selling Danny to the Khal Drogo, he's going against everything he's pushed on Danny their entire lives. Yeah. Which, I mean, I guess I get why, because he's whatever it takes at this point to get back to the throne. And but he's being kind of like a hypocrite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so after the bath, the servants kind of put perfume all over Danny. It's a Dothraki perfume. It's, it's called Spice Flower. Mm-hmm. Um, the Spice Flower is a scented flower Ooh. found in the Dothraki Sea that is often paired with cinnamon when used as a perfume. Hmm. So I wonder, I mean, I know what cinnamon smells like. I wonder if it smells good. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so she puts on the dress from Illyrio, and she puts on sandals, a tiara, and she gets some golden, bra- golden bracelets crusted with ameth- amethysts, and a golden collar with Valyrian glyphs emblazoned on it. Um, amethysts are used to show luxury, so as such it was highlighted in part of their crowns, scepters, and rings. The color purple 
I mean, amethysts are purple, mm-hmm. um, symbolizes royalty. Hmm. So. so they're trying to make her seem more yeah. regal. So, and even one of the servants says, oh, now you look all a princess. Mm-hmm. Danny kind of gets goosebumps, chills all over her body. She's so frightened and intimidated by the idea of meeting Cal that she's like, I think she's more worried about impressing her brother, like not disappointing her brother. Right. So when, when she walks out of her her room, her chambers or mm-hmm. her room, um, Viserys is waiting for her and he's examining how she looks and he approves, of course. And then in comes Magister Illyrio and he's wearing flame-colored silk and he's got rolls of fat jiggles as he walks. <laughs> I just imagine that. Um, he's got gemstones on every finger and an oil beard oiled beard um and he tells danny that she looks regal and that he also approves of her appearance yeah and then viserys is commenting on he thinks that she looks too skinny um i think that's interesting because it it said in the book also that he approves and then like he hears what magister illyrio says and then he goes back yeah, and it's like back well she's too saying, skinny so yeah. he doesn't he doesn't want her to he can't be nice for that long. <laughs> well, that, but I don't think he wants her to become, to, like, get cocky. Yeah, and he wants to be he in power. He wants to be in charge, yeah. right? So the way Viserys is described is he has his hair pulled back, and remember, he has the same hair as Danny. Um, and it's fastened with a dragon, dragon bone brooch. Um, and he then asks Illyrio, he says, do you think, uh, is Cal Drogo really like women this young? And Illyrio points out that she has started her period. Um, so she is not too young <clears throat> to wed and bear children. Um, so apparently that's all that Carol Drogo cares about. Um, and then Viserys kind of comments on that. Um, and he says, the savages have queer tastes. Boys, horses, sheep. Um, and Illyrio comes back and says, best not suggest this to Cal Drogo, Illyrio said. Um, anger flashed in Viserys' eyes and says, do you take me for a fool? And the magister bowed slightly. I take you for a king. Kings lack the caution of common men. My apologies if I have given uh, given offense. He turned away and clapped his hands for his bears. So Illyrio is kind of playing into this um, dream that Viserys yeah. has of, of conquering and being a king. So he's kind of playing him up. Um, so then they set out on the streets of Pentos um, in Illyrio's palaquin. Yeah, which is a large covered box carried by uh, on two horizontal poles by four to six bearers. Um, Viserys wants this all to go well so that he can get 10,000 men um, from Drogo's Kalasar in order to take over the Seven Kingdoms. Um, <clears throat> Illyrio seems like he is kind of humoring Viserys, like I said, um, stating that there are groups of people that toast to his good health in Westeros still. And just kind of playing him up. Um, and I think that it's not really good because it's kind of playing into Viserys thinking that he's all that and a bag of chips. So um, so he then claims uh, that he's going to kill the usurper himself, Robert Baratheon. Um, and Illyrio kind of laughs and is like, okay, yeah. <laughs> we know that he didn't. he's never even swung a sword before, let alone... Um, held one. Held one, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so then they finally get to the manse, um, which is by, that's where Kyle Drogo is. The city. So in the book it says, Danny noticed that her brother's hand was clenched tightly around the hilt of his borrowed sword. He looked almost as frightened as she felt. 
insolent eunuch, Viserys muttered, as the palaquin lurched up toward the manse. Master Illyrio's words were honey. Many important men will be at the feast tonight. Such men have enemies. The cow must protect his guests. Yourself, chief, among them, your grace. No doubt the usurper would pay well for your head. Uh, oh yes, Viserys said darkly. He has tried, Illyrio, I promise you that. His hired knives follow us everywhere. I have the I am the last dragon, and he will not sleep easily while I live. Um, so obviously we know that Robert has been trying to get rid of the Targaryens. Um, but we're at the manse now, so um, Danny is anxious and she noticed uh, she noticed that she's the only woman at this feast, which makes her very uncomfortable. Um, and she sees yep. she looks across there and she can see Kyle Drogo and she can see his three blood riders. So blood riders, I like to describe them as a, like rider dies. Um, they're part guardian, brother, and companion to the cow. Uh, they guard and accompany uh, the cow in his daily routine. Uh, they share what is his, but never his horse. So only cow can ask a man to become his blood rider by asking, I ask your oath that that will live and die as blood of my blood, riding at my side to keep me safe from harm. So ancient traditions proclaim that when a cow dies, his blood riders die with him. Um, so Illyrio is kind of telling Danny the names of these um, blood riders and he gets through two of them and they just sound like Dothraki and then the third one he says Sir Jorah Mormont and so her ears kind of perk up because she's like oh so he's a knight and he said yeah she, he is a knight um, and he's described as a large middle aged man swarthy and hairy he is black bearded and balding but still strong and fit uh, Jorah is respected by the Dothraki for his swordsmanship. Jorah wears wool and leather with his dark green tunic, displaying the standing black bear of House Mormont. He also owns horsehair leggings and a painted vest in the Dothraki style. Jorah armors himself in mail, as well as gauntlets, greaves, and flat-topped grethom of dark gray steel. He wields a long sword and a dagger. So, Danny has kind of noticed that, uh, you know, he's from Westeros. He must be because he's a knight. Uh, but, all that aside, Danny is pretty freaked out right now uh, because she's about to meet Cal Drogo. Um, it says Danny was so scared and wanted to run and hide, but her brother was looking at her, so she didn't want to upset him. She looked at Drogo, hoping she would please him. So as not to upset her brother. That's crazy, like, how much power her brother has over her. Yeah. Like, with just yeah. a look. She's yeah. just scared and wants to go, but... Yeah. yeah. She sees her brother and sees how, like, upset he is and decides to suck it up. Yeah. Because she's scared of him. So the man that we're all here to meet tonight is Cal Drogo. Woo-woo! Um, so Cal Drogo is described as very tall, but he's still light on his feet and graceful. He's a younger man, they say he's no more than 30, uh, and his skin is the color of polished copper. Um, he has a thick mustachio, as they call it, with gold and bronze rings on it. His face is cold and cruel, and his eyes are dark. Illyrio leaves to make his submissions to Drogo, and to tell Danny to wait there uh, while he goes uh, to talk to him. And that he would bring Drogo to her, so mm -hmm. she just stays still there. 
Um, I think he does this so that she looks more queenly. Regal. I think more regal. Yeah. Um, instead of her going to him, he's going to come to her because it's like him asking her for her hand in a way. Right. Yeah. Um, even though she's giving, being given away to him. Yeah. Um, so Viserys takes Danny's arm and squeezes it so hard that it hurts because, of course, in Viserys fashion, he's being rude. Um, and starts talking about Drogo's braid. Um, and he points out how long Cal Drogo's braid is. And he says, when the Dothraki are defeated in battle, they cut it off in disgrace. And it's a symbol to the rest of the world of, the, of uh, that Dothraki's shame. But Drogo's is very, very long, which means he's never lost a fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and Danny just kind of, in her head, just is frightened even to look at him. Um, and stated... That uh, Viserys sometimes hurt her, and we're assuming that's physical as mm-hmm. well as emotional. We can see emotional here. Um, but Drogo scared her more than Viserys ever did. So apparently Cal Drogo's pretty scary looking. Yes, so. Um, like him in- intimidating almost. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And she starts saying she doesn't want to be his queen and that she wants to go home. And Viserys, of course, you know, Mr. Dragon over here. Um, gets angry and says that the only way they're going home is with Cal Drogo's army and that she better impress him tonight. So here we go, he's laying it on. Uh, he only cares about power, and he said in so many words that he would let the whole Kalasar, so all of his men, rape Danny if it means that he could get his army. So that's pretty brutal to say to your sister. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it ends, the whole chapter ends with Illyrio escorting Drogo to Danny and him walking up to Danny, and then that's the end of the chapter. All right. So we got some discussion questions on this. Obviously, we've met some important characters, but um, the first question is, if you were a cow, who would you pick as your blood rider so your rider dies? Okay, so we have to pick three, right? Yeah, Since I would say, three? so like of the characters that we know so far, maybe... Or are we going? Can by, we do like, like anyone? Like anyone? Like oh, let's do real anyone. or fiction? Let's do let's do fictional. <laughs> That'd be I awesome. I like fictional, not real. Okay. Someone want to start? I'll go. Let's go first. John Wick. Ah, nice. Obviously. Yep. The Terminator. Okay. And then I would have to say. Oh, that's a tough one. Hold on. <laughs> I don't know. I can't even come up with. One I don't know if I can come up with another one. Think about it. One more. Do you want to pick Bella? Yeah, my dog. Okay. <laughs> She's a rider dog. So John Wick. And I know John so Wick really cares about dogs. You want so. John Wick. The Terminator. The Terminator and, and Bella. Bella. Okay. Can I pick my friend? You yeah, could. you can pick anyone you want. But I mean, that's no fun. I mean, it kind of is. Because I know for a fact... Um, but these are the people that would... If I'm going down, Cambria's going down with me. Well, so I'm picking Cambria. Okay. Olivia, would you sacrifice your life for me? I don't know about it. Would you? Uh, of course. All right, Cambria, Olivia. Konya. No, I think I'm going to go with my third girl, Leslie. Okay, fair enough. Well, okay. I want a different route, but... No, that's fine. I'm picking my girl, Hermione Granger. Mm. I'm picking Aragorn from Lord of the Rings. Oh, that would be and shoot, I'm gonna pick Bella too. All right, cause you're on our team, Belle. Yeah, Belle, <laughs> you're my girl. All right. All right, so, um, what do you think is meant by waking the dragon? I mean, I know what I think. Go for it. 
I, I think it's just him, you know, having a, a conniption fit. Yeah. And being abusive. That's what I think. Don't, don't wake the dragon. Because he really can't, I mean, he can't even swing a sword. So yeah. what is he actually going to do? He's he's just abusive to her because she's smaller than him. Yeah. Yeah. So. I like, agree. He wouldn't like me when I'm angry. He's not the Hulk. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all we have for you guys. All right. So. Yep. Make sure to follow us on Facebook at A Game of Wines, A Song of Ice and Fire podcast, on Instagram and Twitter uh, at Game of Wines 1, and also on YouTube at Game of Wines podcast. Um, that's it for this week's episode of Game of Wines. Next episode, we will be discussing Eddard Chapter 1, so make sure you read that chapter before the next episode. Thanks for listening. <laughs>